We are now just six short weeks away from a new year. You didn't think it was that close, did you? Six weeks from yesterday will be 2022, Lord willing. Should the world still exist and should you and I still be around to experience a new year? And over the course of the next 41 days or so, there'll be a lot of talk about resolutions and about changes and about renewal. And certainly, that is an appropriate thing for us as Christians to think about. Not just as the year draws to a close and as a new year dawns, but it is appropriate for us to always be thinking about the importance of being new men and new women in service to our God. For sometimes we need a much-needed renewal. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans, where our brother Shane took us to a few moments ago, and instead of chapter 5, to the subsequent chapter, chapter 6, where we're going to read a couple of passages here at the outset of our study. We are so thankful for a large number of visitors that have joined our family spiritually today who may be part of a physical family uh, today, that you are here Those of you that are new to the community that are joining us, those of you that have recently moved into the area, and to our members who are regularly here, we are so grateful for the presence of each and every one. There are certain songs that we sing that make it more difficult, so I hope Alex is happy with himself for choosing such a song as that that reminds us of our broken, contrite heart. I'm I'm kidding, but it's, it's hard to think about that song and think about the worthlessness of ourselves. And the fact that we are nothing without our God. And I'm so glad that he chose that song to remind us of the fact that our God is truly great. We are truly not. But yet he has redeemed us so that we can be a part of his family. How fortunate we are. So thank you for that reminder, Alex. And thank you for participating in our services together today. In many ways, Christianity is all about renewal. And we talked about the gospel of me a couple of weeks ago, and some said, well, that was kind of uh, odd because the gospel is good news and the selfishness about me is bad news, and I understand. So maybe we can restructure the title of that sermon if that's for our choosing. But another way of looking at the gospel is the idea of one of renewal because so much of what we do in service to our God and in service to each other is about becoming a new person wherein becoming a child of God is really uh, about, it involves becoming a new person. Uh, Sometimes we talk about the different lenses through which we look at things. We, We go to Jesus, the great physician, and he gives us a new set of lenses through which to see the world. Sometimes we talk about a brain transplant for us as Christians and where we take out the old mind and we put in a new mind that looks at things from a spiritual perspective. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, a passage that you are likely familiar with, but I'd like to read those two verses at the outset of our study together today. It says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk, and the key phrase here is in newness of life, in a renewed life. You see, when we come out of the waters of baptism, it ought to be 
that we think about living differently than we've ever lived before. Of course, that's what Peter seemed to be talking about in Acts 2, verse 38, when he said, repent and be baptized. He did not just say in response to men and brethren, what shall we do? Be baptized. He said, repent and be baptized. And so this idea of revival or repentance or renewal is really essential to who we are as God's children. Drop down just a couple of verses, and it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And we could go and read in the book of Colossians and see a very vivid picture of the notion of putting to death the old man so that he no longer lives, so that the new man is able to exist. Then in chapter 7 and verse 6, the Bible says, Now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And you have a plethora of passages throughout the book of Revelation and other locations that talk about a new song that we sing, a new earth on which we are going to dwell, the new Jerusalem that will be our home forever. And so there's something to be said about being renewed in service to our God. And that's what I'd like to talk about today by looking at three aspects that start with the idea of prerequisites, then we deal with the process, and then we deal with the product of renewal. So today's lesson, for those of you that like Sesame Street, is brought to you by the letter P and by the number three, because the letter P is our key word today, our key letter today when we talk about prerequisites, and everything is going to be in threes. We're going to have three major points and three subpoints for those of you that are taking notes this morning. Some of you like structure, and so I do that for you. Some of you don't like structure, you just like free-flowing, so you're just uh, out of luck this morning, uh, because we're going to be very structured in the way that we approach our study. I want us to understand that if we're going to think about a prerequisite for renewal, it requires first and foremost that our eyes are wide open. After all, we talked about the vision that God gives us and the new perspective that God provides for us with our eyes wide open. Turn over, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. I want to look at chapters 14 and chapter 9 here for just a moment or so. But in Luke chapter 14, Jesus made it very clear, and we're not going to read all nine of these verses, that there are costs that are involved in serving him here in Luke chapter 14, beginning in about verse 25. He actually says in verse 26, he says, if you desire to follow me or come follow me, if you do not hate your father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life also, you cannot be my disciple. And so there are costs to be born and costs to pay in order to serve our God. And I think that we understand that, but sometimes we get lulled into the gospel of the world, which suggests that you can uh, do what God asks you to do and maintain your own private life of disobedience, and everything is going to be okay. Whereas God says, what I'm asking for you to do is to completely remove all the worldliness, remove anything and anybody that's going to keep you from a faithful service to me, and then you can serve me. You must count the cost. 
For example, he says in verse 31, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with twice as many, 20,000. So likewise, verse 33, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. In Luke chapter 9, a few verses, a few chapters earlier, one of my favorite passages in the book of Luke, verses 57 through 58, Jesus says we need to be careful about making bold statements. In chapter 9 and verse 57, it says that a man says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a bold statement. Jesus, I'll go wherever you go and I'll do whatever you say. We actually sing that, do we not? If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. And we need to be careful about singing that without really thinking about what we are promising to our Creator, what we're promising to our Savior. In verse 58, Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus concludes in verse 62 of the chapter by saying, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So we're to be eyes wide open, looking forward to the future. Let me suggest, secondly, that if we are going to have renewal, we need to have as a prerequisite a radical change in thinking. A radical change in thinking. The word change and the idea of change or the notion of change is indeed hard. It is challenging. We as human beings do not like change. We are structured for whatever reason or reasons not to like a lot of change. We like things a similar way. When I was living in Southern California for 12 years, I remember when I would have my routine, which involved those of you that know in and out which involved in and out quite frequently. See, I see a few of you know in and out The, the Whataburger in and out fight may begin now. Uh, as people from the South have to appreciate that. But in and out is big in California. And I remember early on in my marriage where I did not like to be interrupted with my routine. And then Wendy would say something like, well, let's go do this instead. I said, well, what about my in and out lunch today? I do not like change. You see, I don't like those things being messed up. I like my routines. I like to get up at a certain time. I like to do certain things. We are human beings who like these particular things in particular ways. Well, look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4, and again, we're not going to read all of these verses because there's a lot of passages that we're researching today, but I love the book of Ephesians chapter 4. It is so very practical in the way that it is written. But he says in verse 17, he says, I therefore testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them because the blindness in their heart, who being past feeling have, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. He says, these things have not been learned so much in Christ. Drop down to verse 23. He says, I want you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you put on the, not the old man, but you put on a new man, a man of renewal, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The word change is the idea of a renovation. We are to renovate ourselves. So if we are going to be renewed, it changes the way, it requires a change in the way that we are thinking. And that, of course, brings us to a passage that is as timeless as Proverbs 23, verse 7, 
where there the wise man reminds us of the importance of as a man thinks in his heart, so he is or so is he. Let me suggest thirdly that if we're going to think about prerequisites for renewal, that it's going to go back to our brother David's very good sermon this past Sunday morning, a week ago today, on the subject of patience. Because once you have patience, you've got to develop more patience. And once you develop more patience, you develop more patience. I encourage you to go to our website, godsredeemed.org, and you can podcast that sermon that David did on the subject of patience, or you can listen to it on your computer or on your device, whatever your choice may be. A person who says, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to work on patience will get, and I'm using the very strong word here, will get scorched. And I appreciate our brother David reading from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and we're not going to go back and reread those passages, but when he read that passage, the idea of being scorched, the sun shining, and the seed unable to take root, and the seed unable to grow appropriately, that's what's going to happen with someone who doesn't have the necessary patience. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, a passage that is probably familiar to most of you, it's uh, from the Messianic prophet Isaiah, and it's one of the more familiar aspects. He says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our strength is tied to patience. You see, the more patient we are, the stronger we become. The stronger we become, the more patient we grow. Those two things go hand in hand together and work in tandem. If you're looking at a literal translation of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but those expecting Jehovah, or the NIV says, our hope is in the Lord. And so we hope or are patient in God in the Lord. That's necessary if I'm going to be renewed. And on that subject of patience, let me suggest two more things here. And that is one, patience is important in waiting for God's response. When we call on God and say, God, I'm asking you humbly at this time for your assistance with this particular issue or this particular uh, area in my life. That's important that we are patient. But patience is also important in accepting God's response because we know that sometimes God says no. You ask God for something, he says no. You may not see the full value in his wisdom for many, many years. And I can think of countless occasions in my life where I wanted something to happen, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, whether it be something more temporal, And God said no, and now I look back and I say, like you in chorus, I'm glad he said no. I didn't want that to be yes. At the time I did, but God knew better. And so there must be patience in accepting the response of the Lord. These three things are necessary as prerequisites for renewal. But what about renewal as a process? Because I think it's important to acknowledge at the outset of this particular observation, that renewal is a process, not an event. And what we try to do is, we as humans, is we think of it as being an event, the idea, I want to be renewed and I want to be renewed tomorrow, and everything's good to go. 
and I have grown to be the kind of Christian that I want to be. I want you to, to think of a Christian that you really respect who is a little bit older than you, or maybe a lot older than you, or maybe someone who's no longer living, but you still think of and they speak from the dead, just like Hebrews 11 verse 4 seems to talk about. So think about a person, a man or a woman, that really means a lot to you spiritually. And their spiritual wisdom, their spiritual depth, their spiritual knowledge is something that you really respect. And wouldn't it be wonderful if you could go to bed tonight and put a Bible underneath your pillow and you wake up tomorrow and you have their wisdom, you have their forethought, you have their knowledge just automatically in the course of eight hours of sleeping. That's not the way it works, and we know that. Instead, what ends up happening is it takes a lifetime of renewal and learning and a process for that to transpire. The passage that I think of is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. That's a familiar passage to virtually everybody who is present here today. If it's not familiar to you, uh, no harm. That's okay. We're going to read it and talk about it for just 60 seconds or so. But he says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world, but instead be transformed. That's the same idea of a metamorphosis. So a caterpillar Weaving the cocoon, becoming a butterfly, that's the process of change that's supposed to happen by the, here's the word, renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Conforming doesn't happen overnight. You think about someone who's very worldly, someone who's very steeped in the world's ways, that didn't happen overnight. They may have been a faithful child at one point, of the Lord, and then over months or years, they drifted away to become someone who no longer is even identifiable as a Christian. There's nothing about that person that exposes themselves as being a child of God. The same is true when it comes to transformation. It doesn't happen overnight, which goes back to that thinking about that Christian that you respect. You are not going to wake up tomorrow and be just like him or her, as much as we might like that to happen. Let me suggest to you that there are a couple of things that are part of this process. First and foremost is a change from evil to good. Open, if you would, to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3, very late in the New Testament. In some ways, the statement that I'm about to make is a little bit controversial, uh, but I hope you understand what I mean by it, and that is being a Christian is being like God or an attempt to be more like God. I don't mean that in the sense that we are going to be perfect. I don't mean that in the sense that we are going to have deity assigned to us. But I do mean that the qualities of our Father are the qualities that we develop as one of his children. Just as you might take on the characteristics or mimic your own physical earthly parents, the same should be true with our spiritual parent, our Father God. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 3 beginning, he says... We ourselves, in verse 3, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Then verse 4 starts with the word but, transition. When the kindness and the love of our God and our Savior toward man appeared, not of works in righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us. How did he save us? Through the washing of regeneration 
and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. A change from evil to good is part of the process of renewal that we are involved in. Secondly, I want us to understand that processing our renewal or the process of renewal requires a change of focus. Some people focus on the world. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of uh, Solomon's wisdom, wherein he talks about, it seems to me, lessons that he's learned sometimes the hard way. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, in the first couple of verses, I love the, the, the way he just gets right into it and says, this is what I want to talk about. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then he asks kind of this rhetorical series of questions. He says, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes but the earth abides forever. Job says man is born of a woman and is full of trouble for those days. It's really, in some ways, a very bleak outlook on life. Because, as Paul would say, if we are hopeful in this life only, we are of all men the most pitiable or the most miserable. Jesus actually said, beware This life is not about this life, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, paraphrased very loosely. The idea being that if you focus on this life and only this life, you will be disappointed. And it's sad when you have family members, when you have friends, when you have coworkers, people that you interact with who say, I'm more concerned with what's going on with my finances, I'm more concerned with my physical family, The Christian's life demands a focus on God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And know the context of that particular statement is not about worrying about all the physical things that we would otherwise worry about as outlined in verses 24 through about verse 33 in Matthew chapter 6. So it requires a change in our focus. And thirdly, it requires a change in our influences. And that's true in virtually everything not virtually, in every relationship that we have and in every activity in which we can engage. Let me suggest to you three really quick examples of that. The first of those is in our business relationships. We we read from Colossians chapter 1 in our Bible class this morning with our brother John. But we go back to verse 22 of the text where it says, in the body of his flesh through death that he has designed to present us holy, blameless, above reproach in his sight. So we need to be blameless in his sight. We need to have the kind of attitude that when we are doing our everyday activity, engaging in our business relationships, that we are doing things that would remain for us to be blameless and holy and above reproach in his sight. Secondly, it's true in our friend relationships. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, we referenced that verse just a couple of days ago in one of our studies. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 13, he says, uh, of the text, he says, Those who are outside God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. So we, and of course, 1533, which talks about the, the, the company that we keep. That is important as well as we think about our friends and our relationships. 
So sometimes people, when they become Christians, have to literally cut out people from their lives or at the very least reduce the influence that those individuals would otherwise have on them. There are people who are present here today who have been Christians for maybe a dozen years or 20 years or 30 years who have lost friends or who have reduced the relationship of friends that you have with others in the world because of your faith in Jesus the Christ. And it's true in our activities. I made brief reference to this in a sermon a few weeks ago, but I want to go back and just quickly reread 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, where it says, We have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries, and in regard to these, they think it's strange. Who's the they? Those in the world, those that are outside of the faith, those who are not interested in spiritual things. They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Let me go a little bit further with verse 4. They also think it's strange that not only do you refrain from doing things of the world, but that you choose to consistently do things in the Lord. Had a brief conversation just recently with someone who was surprised that we go to church services not just on some Sundays, but every Lord's Day, and that we try to make all the services and that we try to make all the studies as much as humanly possible. You mean you go to all those studies? Well, yes, we do. Because And how many people show up? All of them show up because that's what the priority is. Our activities need to be not the things of the world, but they need to be the things of the Lord. That's the process of renewal. Well, what does this all mean as we draw to a close? It it, it means that there's a product. It produces something. When we understand the importance of having our eyes wide open, changing from evil to good, changing our influences, it brings about a production of renewal. And it should come as no surprise that being renewed results in really great things. And that's really the reason that we have come together at, the, at this particular juncture of our service, because we invite those who are not Christians to say, I'm ready to change my life. Let me suggest to you three things in closing that are the product of renewal. The first of those is a proof of God's divine plan. Go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We won't reread that passage, but that passage just jumps out to me for so many different reasons. And there in that particular passage, we, you, me, Christians, are key to providing the world with the kind of evidence of God's perfect will. We know that God created and planned, or that God planned the church and planned for redemption and planned for salvation, not after mankind sinned. You know, some people think that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, some people of the world, or even some religious people would suggest that Adam and Eve were in the garden, they sinned, and God kind of scratched his head and said, now what am I going to do? They messed up my plan. That's not the way it worked. That's not the way it works. And that's not the way it will ever work. Because God, before the foundation of the world, had already planned Jesus. I think that's important that we understand that. And especially over the next few weeks where we hear 
uh, more about the birth of Jesus, the advent of Jesus as, as a child and as a human on earth for some 30-some years. We need to be rock solid in our understanding that Jesus did not begin to exist some 2,000 years ago, but that he's existed for all of eternity because he's equal to God, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, that Brother John talked about in our recent Bible class. This is proof of God's divine plan. Secondly, the supply of divine strength comes when we are renewed. I love Isaiah 40, verse 31. We shall mount up with wings like eagles. And only God can provide these spectacular abilities. Only God has the power to do those great things. And let me suggest thirdly and finally, as we think about what renewal produces, it produces a divine hope. Turn, if you would, to one final passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And, and Brother Danny, in his prayer this morning, made reference to some of our older members who are really struggling, or maybe some of our not-so-older members who are still struggling with various physical uh, problems and chronic pain. Our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is what? Being renewed day by day. If there was no other reason to consider becoming a Christian, and there are dozens of reasons to become a Christian, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 to me is one of the reasons, the key reasons to say, you know what, I'm interested in this spiritual perspective. I'm interested in a perspective that tells me that even though life on earth is falling apart and sometimes financial and physical and mental challenges transpire, you're telling me that I can be renewed and I can be built up and that I can be better and that I can be stronger? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And it's not me telling you it. It's not even Paul telling you that. It's the Holy Spirit of God himself saying, I will renew you day by day. I'll make you better, I'll make you stronger. The fact is, is the outward man is perishing, and we can look at that ourselves. Look at yourself in the mirror, and you say, I'm not as young as I used to be. And to those of you that are younger, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. To those of you that are younger, that you find it cliche that those of us who are a little bit older say these things, Time goes so fast, and you will look back 20 years from now or 30 years from now, and you'll say, where in the world did 50 years go? Where in the world did 40-some years go? Where in the world did 80 years go, some of you say? It just went by like that, didn't it? And so you may be 16 or 17 or in your early 20s. Take advantage now and remember to remember now your creator in the days of your youth. But the inward man is being not only renewed, some versions use the word renovated. And I like that. You like those renovation shows? Some of you like those renovation shows where you take an old house and they put in $50,000 and they renovate it and then they sell it and they turn a profit. Those are kind of some neat shows to watch sometime. And you see where the house is renovated and it's made to look better. God says, let me renovate you and make you look better. Now, you may still look the same. Now, for some of us, looking the same is not a bad thing. 
went over someone's head. But all of us would love to look better physically. Nah. God says, let me make you look better spiritually in what really matters. And yes, you'll get wrinkles, you'll get gray hair, you'll lose hair, whatever the case may be. But you'll look better. You'll be better. You'll be stronger because you'll be renovated by our Lord and our God. God will renew us if we work to be renewed. And going back to where we began, now we conclude, this, I would argue, is much needed. Renewal is much needed. And that's not just uh, something that we need to talk about in the last 41 days of the year or however many days are left. It's something that we should talk about on a, on a daily or weekly basis. I want to renew myself. I want to constantly be in the process of allowing God to renew me and to work in my life to make me stronger, better, and more pleasing to him. I mentioned just five or six minutes ago that this was certainly something appropriate for those who are thinking about becoming Christians. And it's possible that you are here this morning and you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. We are encouraging you to strongly consider making that change this morning. Or if you want to study more about repentance, more about renewal, more about revival, more about this re revigorated life that God provides for you, we'd welcome that opportunity to help you. If we can assist you this morning, if we can help you to become a Christian, or if we can pray for you during the time that you are working on renewing and allowing God to renew you, we would welcome that opportunity, whether as a child of God or as an erring child. If we can help you in any way spiritually, let us know while we stand and while we sing.